It's time for 41 is the Mike, a weekly Chiefs podcast with Nick Jacobs of KSHB 41 and Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. 41 is the Mike starts now. We are back once again on 41 is the Mike. I am Matt Derrick, Chiefs Digest, alongside me, Chiefs run game enthusiast Nick Jacobs. I wish I could be a run game enthusiast. I didn't see enough of it today to make me happy, though. That's the problem. I mean, Chiefs need to run the football more today, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the many problems they had today. One of the many problems. Uh, This was a bizarre one. This was a tough one to take for Chiefs fans. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and the offense struggled. Um, They held the Denver Broncos offense in check. Held them to 87 yards net passing in this game. And in this day and age, you usually win those games. But on the other side of the equation, Nick, you don't normally win football games turning the ball over five times. And that's where the Chiefs found themselves today. Um, offensively, a lot of things going wrong. A couple of things going wrong on special teams. Defense might be the one saving grace of this team today. But let's start with how the things all kind of went wrong in Denver today and starting on the offensive side. And really, it just comes down to, to a large degree, is outside of Patrick Mahomes, who was making plays today? Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be twofold here, and we're going to start the rant and the party off early. There you go. I got, got a lot of rage I've been holding up inside since that game happened. And since I don't scream or yell during games because I'm in a professional setting, um, you know, that's, that's you know, got to save and bottle up for this moment. And even then, I'm not going to yell. I'm just going to say things in a very, very aggravated way. Um, but... What I'm going to say is like, look, Patrick Mahomes came out there with the flu. That guy came out there and he was there for his teammates. And I know you've had the flu. I've had the flu. Everybody and their mom, their mom has had the flu. And the kicker of it is, man, like, I mean, I really personally don't even want to get out of bed. You know, like, I mean, you know, you just want to rest, conserve energy and try to fight the fight the virus and whatever it may be. And Mahomes is out there playing a football game. Like, that's how much football meant to him. That's how much his teammates meant to him. And he still went out there and tried to will his team to victory. Now, did he look like the normal Patrick Mahomes? No, he didn't. There was a couple throws where he just he just found a way and willed himself to make some impressive throws and try to get it and try to help his, give his team the spark so they could kind of just drag their way through the game. And it just couldn't happen. And there was a couple times early on, the first couple of series, he looked overwhelmed in his progressions. And part of that may have been just simply because of what the D- Broncos defense was doing coverage-wise and his, some of the receivers not getting open, some of the route combinations just, you know, not being there. Because there were some plays, man, whenever I was watching some of the play calls, there were some times where I recognized what they were going to do before they are going to do it. And then the Broncos shifted to where I was like, all right, they already got the numbers. They're going to wreck this. They recognize it too. And then they did, like the shovel pass. Shovel pass inside the inside the goal line there. The Broncos had specific shifts so that they could take away the blocking angles that normally work on a shovel pass. And they specifically had the DN be able to split the difference between where you're going to shovel and the jet sweep. But guess what? They don't have Tyreek Hill running that jet sweep, so teams don't have to respect it as much as they would other times. So it, it just, you know, and there were some issues with the blocking that Andy Reid seemed to be upset about. And so we'll see on that down the road. But, I mean, that shovel pass play, I mean, that's that's part of that is the left tackle and the left guard, Joe, Joe Tooney and Donovan Smith, are supposed to ear hole that guy, knock him into the backer, maybe even the safety if, you, if you're aggravated enough, like I am right now, and put them into the third level if you have to, to give that shovel enough room. And then so Trey Smith can get up and get to that backer, and you're hoping that end goes wider 
He didn't. He split the difference. So maybe they want to trade a ear hole that dude and kick him out. I don't know, but I don't know. I mean, it's just one little microcosm of the game to where you have all these little nuances together that make up why a play failed, why a call failed. So all those all those aspects combined, there there's still some there's some weird plays on running back screens that didn't make sense on short yardage situations. And and there's been times in past games where Pat would just run. You know, he'd take off and run and, and, and you know, be able to make up for the failed player, somebody not getting open. But with him having the flu today, he didn't have all the energy all the time to go uh, go will himself every single play to do that. The biggest problem that happened in this game, and I'm going to say it at this point, is right that <laughs> there are not enough people on that offensive roster that can make that difference so Pat doesn't have to drag this team across to victory. That is plain and simple. And I'm not trying to knock Kelsey. But this offense is is dedicated to if Travis Kelsey can get open or not too much, and they're going to need another receiver where they do it in the trade line deadline or next year, and they're going to probably need multiple receivers that can get open. When Patrick Mahomes has five, six, seven seconds and can still scramble around and has the time to go to go make a play, somebody better be open. That's what you're paid for, and the fact that that didn't happen aggravates me to this level. I didn't want to raise my voice, Matt, but I did. <laughs> And if I knew every single one of their middle names, I would say it right now. <laughs> Today is one of those days where I they deserve it. I mean, cannot argue. And you know, and this I don't mean to be as harsh. I'm tr- I'm trying to be objective here and not be too critical in this sense. But an old adage comes to mind yeah. for me in this day and age, and for this day in particular, in this Chiefs offense right now, which is they carried seven receivers into the season. They got six right now. The old adage, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And it might apply to the Chiefs in the sense that if you've got seven receivers, if you've got six receivers that you really like, it means you probably don't have a receiver that you love. And, you know, and I remember, you know, especially when the Chiefs brought in, when the Chiefs went out and got Sammy Watkins, one thing that Brett Veach said was that he was never going to leave Patrick Mahomes without weapons. And right now, it kind of feels like Patrick Mahomes doesn't have a lot of weapons that aren't named Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I would I would agree 100%. Like that's that's where the problem is and that's what they got to fix. And you, you don't in in my book you don't exactly have a ton of time. I'm not talking like just, you know, a week or two, but I'm talking like you need to write this ship whether you start to do a piece of the puzzle at the trade deadline or you do it next year, but you have to you have to give Mahomes everything he needs to succeed. You got to stop letting him be the one that at times has to be the spark plug and the guy who drags people across the finish line sometimes because he takes off running or he scrambles out and you know somebody delivers on the scramble drill like they're supposed to. You got to get that guy more speed, plain and simple. Whether it's a running back, receiver, you've got to get it because that's part of the problem in, in in the run game. And I'm just going to go into it at this point. I apologize. Um, is that look? I mean, Pacheco has a certain way he runs. And there's certain fronts that can take that away. He has to go north-south. If he's got to go lateral, it's not going to work out. And then McKinnon has slowed down a little bit, like we've talked about before in the podcast. They just don't have that explosive running back that puts the fear in defenses to where they have to respect that. There's just, other than Mahomes and him scrambling and Travis Kelsey, there's not a lot on this roster that they have to fear. And I'm not knocking Rasheed Rice either on this part of it because Rasheed's a rookie. He's going to contribute. He's going to bust his rear. But if you're leaning on him to be the guy who has to pick up the slack when um, Travis Kelsey's getting covered or getting taken away, 
then you're setting yourself up for for a bad experience. Yeah, and I, and I say this with being somebody that, you know, I believe that Rasheed Rice will be a thousand-yard receiver in this league. I, right. I've seen enough to think that he's going to be that guy. But he's not right now because he's a rookie. I mean, that's 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 too much to expect. To think that, you know, that a rookie in an Andy Reid offense is going to come in and be the number one receiver for a team that wants to win a Super Bowl, that is, to me, an un- unrealistic expectation because it's just historically proven not to be the case. Now. Could he, like I said, I mean, he could be a thousand yard receiver, but for 2023, it's probably not what he is right now. There's not really a 2020, you know, in 2023, a alpha kind of receiver on this team. And we're once again, excluding the tight end room and Travis Kelsey, just talking about the receivers at this point in their careers. I mean, you know, a guy like Marquez Valdez-Scantling to me is what the back of his football card says he is, you know, Sky Morse, still not in that category, certainly. Um, nobody else is. I mean, it's, yeah, Rasheed Rice might get there one day, but not right now. So, you know, for this year, I mean, I feel like the, it's the Chiefs, the Chiefs went into this with a little bit of a hope and a prayer on, on re- this receiver group. And it just doesn't feel like that the hopes are panning out a whole lot. Yeah, that's the reality of it. So you better start going to the drawing board and figure something out pretty, pretty quick. Otherwise, uh, the reality is this teams are going to copy what Denver's done in the red zone. hundred percent. They're going to copy it and they're going to copy it. It's, it's going to be the thing that teams are going to try and the chiefs are going to have to have answers for it. But I don't know if they have a collective wide receiver group that can consistently come up with the answer and be able to do what needs to be done. Now, like we said, a big piece of the puzzle is the fact, the fact that Patrick Mahomes played with the flu He'll be able to make up some of that difference, but the kickers, he shouldn't have to make up that difference every single game and every single time. I don't care how much you pay him. At the end of the day, people people tune in to watch Mahomes. People tune in for that, so give him what he needs to succeed, plain and simple. And, I mean, in reality, like we talked at the bat at the top, the biggest, you know, reason if you want to look at the numbers and look at what happened, look at the box score and see where the Chiefs lost this game, I mean, the biggest reason why it's going to be five turnovers. Not all of those turnovers were on Mahomes. Everybody owned a little bit. The McCall-Hardman turnover obviously was the most costly, but... To me, it's hard to, to pin this exclusively on McColl because I think, as Andy Reid said, a lot of people had ownership of this. But one thing that Andy Reid said really fascinated me, Nick, and that was saying just out of care how out of character he thought the five turnovers were, and saying that he hadn't seen that before happen to him, happened to some other people. But you know, he's he's not used to the five turnover thing happening to him. Might surprise you to know, Nick, that in in, in Andy Reid's career. This is the 13th time that his team has had five or more turnovers in a game. So it's not just a one-off thing. This happens in Andy Reid's career almost every other year on average. And now it happened a lot more in Philadelphia, 10 times. And and some of those were when the Eagles were just starting out. And so it got a little bit better. And he, it's only happened three times under Mahomes. It happened against the Rams in the 54-51 racing up the field game. And obviously it happened in the, the 31-24 loss to Denver, the last loss to Denver with a Jamal Charles game. So I guess Andy Reid's just got a, he's like a cornerback. He's got the ability to block out the bad plays, but at the same time, you know, it's the 13th time it's happened, coach. You know, you gotta, you gotta realize that sometimes it does happen. The, the bigger thing that comes to my head at this point though, 
is when you have 12 men in the huddle multiple times in a game, that's a problem because you're normally really good at situational awareness and you're normally really good at things being set up situationally, you know, to where you go through that stuff on Friday, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, have the walkthroughs on Saturday that they do before they leave and everything and all that aspect of it. That was, that was disappointing to me because I think it happened on both sides of the ball at one point. So that one's concerning. And that's a red, that's a red flag for me that that happened because that shows just attention to detail being an issue, whether it's a player coach, whatever, it's still an attention to detail issue that shouldn't, that normally doesn't happen and shouldn't be happening. Um, especially when you you're at this caliber, but the other part of it is like, what's the ramifications? And I think that's the bigger question I have in the grand scheme of this. If, and I'm going to go into the McCall Hardman fumble since he brought that part up. I'm not, I'm not knocking him on saying he's the reason that the Chiefs lost the game. That's admirable that he fell on that sword and took that. But there's 20 different plays in every NFL game that cost it from an execution perspective. His got magnified because of the moment in time and what it could have been. And here, and like I was telling you, I was like, the kicker of it is though, he's assuming that they're going to fully go down and execute the entire way and go, you know, go make that go ahead score. That ain't, that's not guaranteed with the way they were playing today. So, I mean, you know, so it, so that doesn't technically quote unquote cost in the game. It does under this current way, you know, on the, under this current way in his mindset, but there's still so many more things that have to go right in a drive and plays down the road there for that to kind of turn in to what it's, should have in his mind by the comments that he's making in that regard. But that's Adam Rowley took ownership of it. But where I also kind of look at this piece of the puzzle is we know who McCall Hardman is as a returner. Have known who McCall Hardman is. He's got four years of showing who he is as a returner. And so I if you're the 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 way they're weighing this is if you're they're willing to try to create that spark but have all these other times where ball security is in question and the decision that I'm going to catch it inside the five or I'm going to catch it here or there when the cardinal rule has always been you keep your heels on the 10, if it goes past it, it goes past it. That's unfortunate. But, like, you know, it's just because this you remember this, this happened in one of those playoff games. And McCole was down and they, you know, and Mahomes had the coat over him and everything. Mahomes came over and talked to him and then they threw the ball to him. And got it back in rhythm. Things a Bills game, if I remember correctly, but you know who he is, and you decided that not having a reliable returner like Washington that was making sound decisions and giving you ball security that that wasn't good enough for this roster because you wanted a bigger athletic spark potentially with McColl. But you know, it's just you got to weigh those things, and for me ball security and giving yourself more opportunities a little bit bigger than having McCole back there to try to create those sparks from time to time. He can create those sparks on offense in manufactured ways if you want to do it. But I mean, it, it just, you know, there's just, I don't know. There's a lot of frustrating things that I feel like they've gotten really comfortable and this game and Sean Payton showed a lot of those warts that they have both in some of the roster moves, some of the play calling moves, and it's forcing them to look in the mirror and see if they want to fix what they need to to be a champion down the road again, or do they just kind of want to keep leaning on Mahomes at times and Kelsey, the Mahomes-Kelsey connection at times. 
And I'm with you 100%. I mean, I think it's really hard to to exclusively pin this game on McCole Hardman. I mean, because there were five turnovers. I mean, uh, several of those other were absolute killers. And and there were mistakes. I mean, the Rasheed Rice has a drop that could have totally changed the complexion of this game. Um, almost everybody on the offensive side of the football, I think, probably has at least one play that changed the complexion of this game. That's just the way it was. Oddly enough, conversely, on the other side, I have a hard time, Nick, I'll be honest, being able to say that there was anything that this defense did that cost the Chiefs this game. I mean, you can quibble with a couple of the penalties, and they certainly had a couple of killer ones that extended some Denver drives. But when you're talking about you know the Chiefs offense giving Denver the football at the 10-yard line, the 30-yard, the 29-yard line, the 50-yard line, those were the three you know, big Broncos drives. They had three touchdown drives that averaged 33 yards. No defense can stop that. I mean, that's just to me, you're just you're absolutely putting your your defense behind the eight ball. And then when you look at the numbers, you know, you give up 3.8 yards of play, you give up 87 yards net passing, you only give up 104 yards in the second half. And yet Broncos had the ball the entire second half. I mean, I have a hard time pinning any of this on the defense. The only thing I can say from a defense perspective that had a couple frustrating moments was that Sneed hold that they called or PI. I can't remember. That was a killer. Whenever they had that one, the one yep. sack and Sneed was pretty grabby. They were off the field. <laughs> yep. times. Um, that one, that one caused some unfortunate hiccups. Um, and then they had, they had some issues run game wise. And I think that's part of the reason Mike Pinnell got signed to the practice squad and he may be coming in to help out a little bit in some spots with Derek Naughty. And then we'll see what happens with Keandre Coburn here in the next couple of weeks. And the reason I say that is because Denver got what they needed is at the end of the day, this is, this is the grander scheme of this. What the chiefs got to experience today was a team that desperately needed a signature win and a coach that was willing to do whatever he had to do to get that signature win. Cause he needs everybody to buy into his system. And what better way to get a football team to buy into your system than to be the to be the coach that helped you stop the 16 game losing streak to the Super Bowl champions after they're coming off the Super Bowl season and to take down all take down all of Mahomes undefeated records that they did name them off in the you know in the locker room afterwards all the things that they did and they accomplished make themselves feel good the buy in he's going to get tomorrow it's going to be on a whole different level now and you know them bringing in Keandre Coburn and trying and more than likely trying to see what they could get out of him information wise wasn't wasn't a bad thing having to play him two times in three weeks helped him as well because he may have already lost the players you know down the road Sean Payton needed this more than any than than anything possible that you would expect so I, I, I'm telling you, he he did everything in his power to make sure that they came away with a victory. So he made sure that football team stayed hungry, and he took every chance that he had to, and did everything he had to to make sure that they were gonna that it was gonna be the signature that he needed. And to the to the Broncos' credit, they came into this game with a game plan that was, hey, the Chiefs don't have Nick Bolton. They've been a little leaky in the ground game. Let's play smash mouth football. Let's run the ball as hard as possible. Let's get in the Chiefs' face. And in the immortal words of the, the great philosopher of our times, Nick, Mike Tyson, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And the Chiefs got punched today. I mean, the Broncos were being chippy from the from the kickoff. 
And they got in the Chiefs' face. They played physical. And this is this has been a concern with the Chiefs is, you know, can they win physical football? And I think they won one in New York against the Jets a couple of weeks ago. This was another one. Maybe they didn't pass this test. And, you know, maybe we'll look back on this and say, you know what? Hey, Mahomes and the flu, that was just too much for this team to overcome. Maybe it was just catching the Broncos at the wrong time because this was a spirited Broncos team that I haven't seen enthusiasm-wise from this Broncos group in years. And even that crowd, I mean, they got they were into it. They were helping their team out today. I mean, this was this was a fire we haven't seen from the Broncos in a while. Yeah. And now he gets to use that not only for the rest of this season, but down the road, he can remind them, hey, you guys played them close last time at Arrowhead. You beat them here at home. Not only did you beat them, you dominated them score-wise. He's going to leave out the turnover part in Mahomes' flu because, you know, with time, that's going to, that, that, that won't be a part of it. It'll just be a dominant performance from Denver because they wanted it more. But he, he's going to be able to hold this for quite some time. And unfortunately, now we're going to probably have to see the Broncos in, in prime time early next year because of this game. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> it, it just it fascinates me that Russell Wilson didn't even eclipse, you know, 100. I don't even think he was at 120 yards. I think he's at 114. I remember correctly. Yeah. 12 and yeah. 19, 114, three TDs. That's all it took for them. It was sacks. It was 87 yards passing. Just unreal, man. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's part of it. I understand the turnovers. I understand all of it combined. It's just maddening that the defense put that kind of performance together. I know they had their pieces of the puzzle here and there. But hey, I mean, look, at the end of the day, Maybe it's one of those things that the Chiefs at times needed that reality check, and we'll see how they bounce back from it because they now they get to go play Tyree, a very motivated Tyreek Hill in Germany, a very motivated offense that's going to be like, wait, they lost to the Broncos? They're going to be like, well, they lost to the Broncos? We scored 50, or we scored 70 on them. You know, yeah. so like they're going to, the Dolphins want to put it on. They want to show that they're that they're the, they're the team to beat in the AFC now. So they're going to go out there, and that's going to be their motivation. And if the Chiefs play as lethargic in in Germany as they did today, they boy, that's that may not be pretty. And you hope that's not the case. And the other thing that I've been rattling around in my head is, man, I hope nobody else nobody else has illness this week. You know, yeah. I hope, oh. I hope the hope that illness doesn't go around the locker room. Uh, that was a question that was asked in my household. Nick was. Why is Patrick out there giving the flu to the rest of his teammates? So, <laughs> yes, let's hope that this was just maybe something that slipped past the flu shot and, <laughs> and then we'll have an epidemic going on. But we shall see. I, I, I'm going to ask you a cliche question, Nick, and I'm going to think apologize. About that. Think how long that think along think how long that flight to Germany is going to be. Oh yeah. Oh, this is going to be a long week period for this team because. Oh yeah. That's one thing that you can count on when when a team goes out for Andy Reid has a performance like this, they don't usually get loved up in practice that week. So that's going to be a tough week. But I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a cliche question, Nick, yep. and don't bite my head off for asking the cliche question. I'm not gonna do that. But you let it. You let exactly where I was going to go though, because yes, it's Frankfurt week. It's Germany week. It's Dolphins week. Did the Chiefs play like a team that were experiencing a trap game? I I don't think it was, I, love the, I love the pause, Nick. I love the pause. I don't I don't here's my thing. I don't believe in trap games. I I, I believe that you either you either have the motivation or you don't. And 
I just think this team kind of expects Mahomes to will him far too often. And if he's not able to, then they're looking around to see, hey, who's who's who else is a spark plug? Who's a spark plug? Travis can't get open right now. Who else is a spark plug? You know, it's like, you know, it's like the it's like Ferris Bueller when the principal like Bueller, Bueller. And it it it's, it just feels that same way. So it look, I like I said, man, like I I understand trap game and everything, but it's I think if the Chiefs played the Broncos a handful of weeks later and they're they both had different personnel, you know, some differences in personnel play calling and some of that type of stuff. I, I think that game goes differently. And if Mahomes done in the flu, I think that game goes differently. I think it's a slug fest if the Chiefs come out with a three to seven point victory. But like I said, I just I think this was another one of those times where they needed a reminder of this isn't as flawless as you think it is. Yeah, and, and, and let's face it, I mean, the, the Dolphins did not have a trap game today mentality against the Patriots. I mean, they they put that one away pretty comfortably. So, you know, win by two scores. So that's, you know, obviously one team on the equation did not have a trap game. So I lean towards you. I mean, you know, did this play, did this team look distracted today? Yeah, a little bit. But there's a lot of reasons why that can happen. But one of the reasons why, of course, this Chiefs team lost, and we're talking about it, is that there might be some things that this team needs. So trade deadline, we are less than 48 hours away. It's going to be 3 p.m. Central Time, Tuesday, the 31st. Nick, do the do the Chiefs, one, I guess, will they make a move? And two, do they need to make a move? I'll start off with the first part. Do I think they're going to make a move? I personally am going to keep my expectations low and say no. And that McCall Hardman was, you know, that that's their move. Um, but if I were in their shoes, I, and, and I'm not saying that they haven't done this, I would at minimum be looking to see what, what speed running backs are available around the league. How much does it cost? And then two, I'd definitely be looking at speed receivers and see who could be made available that you could bring along veteran wise that could maybe fit that bill. I know salary cap wise, it's going to be incredibly tough and they would have to do, they would have to do some gymnastics to make some stuff work. You may have to pay even more in, in a trade, but all, all I'm going to say on this part of it, Matt, is I don't think Deandre Hopkins was trying to have a three TD performance. So he could be uh so he could be Will Levis's, uh, Sherpa for the rest of the season. <laughs> I think that I was trying to remind the rest of the league what he f- still feels he's capable of to to go somewhere new where he can play in a playoff game. I'm yeah, not that- saying that that's going to be Kansas City, but I'm telling you, like he didn't have today's game by accident. Yeah, that that outcome of that game seemed like a double-edged sword because not only does DeAndre Hopkins have a kind of game that would make his trade value astronomical. But they also win, and you absolutely know that Mike Vrabel is telling his general manager, you are not breaking up this team over my dead body. Because at three and four, Mike Vrabel still thinks he's got a playoff team. And I think you're going to pry DeAndre Hopkins out of his cold, dead hands. But Four catches, 128 yards, (laughs) three TDs. Only Only one of his catches wasn't a touchdown. Like six targets, like they, that, that wasn't by accident. They're trying. And, they're trying to squeeze a. They're trying to squeeze a 
day two pick out of somebody for that type of performance. That was definitely a feeding of Hopkins. And we are talking about him because he actually has a contract that is reasonably trade friendly. It's a very low base salary. So it would not affect, you know, really a salary cap implications because, you know, the chiefs as of right now have $3.2 million in cap space, which after my little algebra equation, Nick, using my, my, my high school math. So that, uh, miss, miss McCurdy, miss, 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 uh, I can't remember my other my other great my other favorite math teacher's name, Miss Holden. There you go, yeah, Miss Holden. Say, I hope she's not listening right now and insulted that you didn't remember. No, she unfortunately uh, left teaching to go into real estate and is now a realtor. So you know that's. I the love way. that you know all it's, that. That's fantastic. exactly. I mean, I, you know, yeah. Well, she was my favorite math teacher, so I had to keep track and see what happened to her. And I find out she goes into real estate. Wick, what what's up with that? I guess she did the math and realized that she could make more money there. I was about to but, say, we all got to make money somehow, Matt. <laughs> I, my algebra, I was able to conclude that based on a prorated version, the Chiefs would be able to pick up a base salary of $5.76 million, up to. Anything above beyond that, they would have to restructure someone's contract to make some room. So if your dream is to get Mike Evans out of Tampa Bay, You'd have to restructure because either the $13 million base, that's more than the Chiefs can afford right now. So you would have to have some of those contract and, and math gymnastics to make that work. Well, but Hopkins is doable. I was going to say, can a team also take on more of the money, agree to take on more of the money, but they want to hire a pick is the other hustle that some teams do? Exactly. And, you know, and that brings us back to, you know, would you be willing to give up like a second round pick if that's what it took? to get someone like a DeAndre Hopkins or a Mike Evans. I mean, my, my thing is, man, I don't want to go past the third. That's just me personally, but that's also because there's a lot more work that's going to have to be done after this year at that position. And you're going to need all you can, all you can get cap wise and all you can do in general. This is just, in my opinion, doing this is just to make sure that you, keep Mahomes upright and give him another target and and not wear down Kelsey. Like if you're making a move in my book, it's to not let Kelsey get completely worn down from this season to where he doesn't have the next two years like you potentially hope to where he can maintain what he's doing right now or be in that ballpark. Just like you're also, you know, so that's where that's to me, that's where another receiving option comes in, whether it's possession or speed, I don't care. But if you're doing that move, you're doing that to help out Kelsey and also help out Mahomes because you know you have the offensive line to give you the time for the most part. Where you're having part of the problem is the run game is very specific in what you can attack right now. And you don't necessarily have the skill set of running back to be able to open your horizon and the run aspect of it in my book. And then you just don't have another reliable veteran right now that scares defenses into showing you more respect. One last question about the the trade deadline and interested in your kind of thoughts on this. How how wide is your window for a receiver? Because, you know, I'm pretty pessimistic on receivers coming into an Andy Reid offense midseason. Last year, Kadarius Toney was pretty much the high watermark. Uh, But we are talking about elite kind of guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans. Those are guys I feel like would be a different category. But to me, I have a hard time thinking about anybody else that would excite me because I feel like, you know, outside of those two that are truly elite receivers, and I think you can put on any team and they're going to be playmakers, you know, Hollywood Brown gets thrown around. But to me, that's in the category of guys that, you know, 
that's somebody who needs to develop chemistry in an offense. You know, you can't just throw out there and hope that they're going to be a, you know, 600 yard receiver the rest of the way. You know, the reality is, is that um, to me, almost anybody outside of maybe a couple of unicorns is going to be a 200 yard receiver. I mean, is there a, is, is, is that it? I mean, for you, is there just a narrow pocket of receivers that you consider, or do you think there's a bigger group that could help this team? All right, Matt, I'll give you my personal list. Lay it on me. Lay it on us. And we'll see what ends up happening out of this. But the people I would be eyeballing from, and I know this guy isn't 100% healthy right now, um, Colts backup running back Zach Moss. Loved him coming out of Utah. I know he's bounced around between the Bills with the Colts, and he kind of held things up for Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor during that whole situation. I know he's got multiple injuries that he was deciding he's going to play through earlier today. Um, financially, that could actually work, and they could they could do that piece of the puzzle. Um, receiver wise, obviously, I mean, watching DeAndre today, like that was really impressive what he was able to do. Levis didn't put it in some of the best spots. You could tell they didn't necessarily have the chemistry that he had with Tannehill or he'd had with other quarterbacks, and he still made him look good. He caught one of those balls that was thrown behind him and turned still turned it into a touchdown. Like, I was like, ooh, he's trying to get traded out of here. I know that one. And I, if if they got Mike Evans, I look, I'm not against it, but I just, you know, I, I don't know. You're getting a possession receiver. You're getting a possession receiver that probably got a couple years left for the most part, and Hopkins is in the same boat, you know, with them being in the 30 range. So, I mean, you're – you're hoping to squeeze a you know a year two years out of them tops, so that's why I don't feel comfortable going over a third round in that aspect of it. Um, and then with the guy like Marquise Brown, like you said, I think that's going to take more time to develop, but that gives you speed that other teams have to respect. But also size wise, you know the wear and tear. You don't know if he's going to be able to maintain, so you have issues there. The Vikings is another intriguing one because I really was actually impressed with what Powell did the other night against the 49ers, and I'm curious to see what they did against Green Bay today and to watch that game down the road here. And then K.J. Osborne has some issues with drops, but he also does have some promise of receiver. So, you know, like, I mean, I I think it's worth at least checking with the prices on each one. And this is the other thing I'll say, and the, the, this will be my final thought of the of my part of it. And you may have more final thoughts, and I'm glad to hear them. Um, but Brett Veach, no matter what, and also, I would, and before I forget this, I would check in Washington too. Be like, hey, you got any receivers among that bunch that you would potentially, uh, you know, be willing to part with? Because they do know the scheme, because the enemy's running the same thing right now. And they actually would get to play with Patrick Mahomes instead of, you know, Sam Howell, who's trying to be Patrick Mahomes. Um, so it, it I mean, I, I would check in there too if I was in their shoes. But, Brett Veach, the, the smart thing any GM can do, and I put this on Twitter before, uh, Twix, whatever you want to call it now, is to call every team, find out what the asking price is for every player, and then you write it down in an Excel sheet or whatever you're going to put in a document so you know throughout the years what a GM values. Okay, how you know, hypothetically, Harry Roseman probably does this um, of the Eagles because he's, he's incredibly savvy and he, I wouldn't be stunned if he does this. Call every single team, find out what they what they value for the player, then write it down. So you know, okay, this guy's made four Pro Bowls. He's had X amount of injuries. They wanted a third for him. So if this comes down the road, I know what I need to pick up trade-wise 
draft wise down the road or what they need comp pick wise to maybe be able to make that work if I got to make a play. That's what a really smart, savvy GM does. So if you ever hear, oh, the Chiefs called about X, Y, and Z, good. I'm glad because they need to write down, you know, you do fact finding, find out what every single person, where, what they put the value on. If I was them, I'd call the Raiders about Hunter Renfro and, and Devontae Adams just to see what the price would be. Just And I'm not saying you make the trade, but you write down, okay, Devontae Adams at this age, they would want this. Hunter Ren, Renfro, they would want this. So whether you make the play or not, you need to find out those answers, and then you have those down the road for that specific GM if you have an opportunity, and maybe you get more inventory down the road to be able to make a trade for a completely different player that may not even be in the league yet. That's that my is, final thought, Matt. That's a great final thought, Nick, and and I will echo it because that is one of the things I think that Brett Veach is really good at is right. you know is, is reaching out to his peers about players you know, for the long term. I mean, remember that Kadarius Tony deal was essentially a year and a half in the making as far as, you know, checking on the availability and letting them teams know that he's interested and checking to see, you know, what players are available. I mean, Brett Veach and his staff, I mean, they've been talking with, I mean, GMs and, and their counterparts all around the league all year long about who might be available to tread the trade deadline and, you know, what players that they might be willing to move at some point. So, and, and who the chiefs are interested in say, Hey, give us a call. If this guy's ever been available. And we all know, I mean, one thing, Brett, Brett uh, does have a penchant for going after players that he liked coming out in the draft. And if they ever become available, he will get interested. So, and, and even with the Tony deal, that was a case of the Chiefs really trying to invest in the future. It may not have worked out the way that they have wanted to so far, but that was a deal that they thought, this is a guy with player control for the future. Let's go for it. So it won't. if the Chiefs do get in the market, it might not even be for a rent-a-player. It might very well be with a guy that just needs a change of scenery and somebody that they think that they can, they can revive their career. So Brett Beach will look at a lot of different places, but... I'm with you. I mean, a a speed running back and a a difference making receiver could help this team this year. So, we will find out on Tuesday what happens there with the Chiefs and the trade deadline. And then next week, you and I Nick will be coming once again with 41 is the mic after the Chiefs Dolphins in Germany. That you can find on KSHB 41 if you live in Kansas City. It'll be on KSHB 41 if you don't have NFL Network. So you can watch the game over the air antenna doesn't doesn't cost you anything. And I know we're going to have some watch parties as well, but either way, you're going to be getting up early. And I can tell you that much. You get up early so you can watch the pregame show. Then you watch the game. Then you watch the postgame show, right? Yeah, I'm doing the postgame show this time. And uh, Mick Schaefer, our sports director, KSHB 41 here is going to be in Germany. Along with our photog Chase Chase Lucas. So they're leaving to go to Germany and they're gonna have some very interesting stories that I'm really looking forward to seeing. And we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens from an international perspective, because there's a lot of stuff that we uh we do for live shots and everything of that nature that we haven't done internationally before. So we'll see how that works out. <laughs> I'm very excited because I am fairly certain that everything that Mick Schaefer knows about Europe and Germany, he learned from National Lampoon's European vacation. I don't know for sure, but I told him to watch Euro Trip and see if that helped him out too. <laughs> well, next week, after you watch the pregame show, after you watch the Chiefs and Dolphins on KSHB and the postgame show, then Nick and I will be back at the afternoon. Talk about it on 41 is the mic and break down all the action. So thank you everyone once again for listening. Please like, subscribe, do all those fun things that 
uh, will help people to find the uh, the podcast easier. Make your comments because we would love to hear from you and what you think about the show and give us some feedback about what we do right, what we do wrong. Anything you want to say, send it our way. So, Nick, any any final words from you? Yeah, if it's something mean, don't send it my way. Well, <laughs> I don't have... I don't have okay. the bandwidth for that. <laughs> don't send anything mean to Nick. If you want to send anything mean, send it to me, but don't make it about Nick because I don't want to hear that. But if it's mean about me, feel free. I, I'm, 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 I'm okay with that. Don't worry. That uh, the way I said that just challenged somebody. They're gonna send it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, we thank you all for joining us. We will catch you next week after Chiefs and Dolphins. Have a great week. Thanks again. You've been listening to Forty One Is the Mic, presented by KSHB Forty One, your home of the Chiefs and Chiefs Digest.